Hey, bitches. Um, so had a bit of a mentee bee this week. As you saw on my Instagram, didn't really do my socials and had like a bit of like a mental health moment. So unfortunately, the podcast is, you know, not a freshie, but it's a really good rerun. We've got a rerun of Dr. Love. Very exciting. Uh, one of my faves. Very interesting. Back when I was single. Love yous. Welcome back to another episode of It's A Lot with me, Abby Chatfield and Elise Cooper. And we also have with me Dr. Love. So she is a love and relationship coach, the host of the podcast Between the Sheets and the creator of the Love Lab. And she joins me now. Hey, Dr. Love. Hey. Hey, Abby. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. I followed you for a while and my love life is tragic. So I think I'm I'm so excited to have you on here. I have so many questions for you and I feel like it's going to seem very like chaotic, but I Let's think we'll get there. It. Yeah, easy. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the main question that I have, and I think it's a bit of a weird, I don't know if it's a weird one, but it's something that I found being in lockdown. Are you in Sydney or Melbourne? Uh, I'm actually in Adelaide. <laughs> oh, so you don't know what lockdown is. You haven't heard. So I was lockdown, watching you basically, guys in lockdown. Yes, yeah, so yeah. it's basically when they don't let us leave our house. Like, I'll explain it to you because you haven't yeah. <laughs> Long story short, okay, so I've been in Adelaide, but I think a lot of my friends in Melbourne and Sydney, like we've been locked down for a while and we're still horny, obviously, yeah. like we still want to fuck. Absolutely. But I, in my head, I'm like, yeah, like I'm really horny. I've been having a lot of FaceTime sex. But the thought of someone actually touching me makes me want to just run the fuck away. What's yeah. up with that and how do I combat that coming out of lockdown? And also, what if that's just still the case in general? Like, what if you are horny but the thought of – is that like a trauma response or what's the deal with that? No, well, it just depends. Have you always been like that, Abby? Or is it just like through lockdown? I think it's gotten worse through lockdown. But the thing is, before then, let me think. Yeah, actually, probably lockdown. Now that I think yeah. about it, yeah. I think lockdown does a lot to people. I think they get so used to their own time and they get a bit – people that weren't very confident in relationships to start with and then they spent all this time alone, it's almost a little bit of an anxiety like, oh, my God, do I remember what to do? Can I go there? Do I want someone actually coming into that space? <laughs> yeah, because I, I live alone as well. So the thought of someone yeah. like even like being affectionate with anyone, like even like friends give me a hug, I'm like, ugh. Like yeah. I'm like oh yeah can we just like an air kiss like I like and not because of COVID things like yeah. because I'm literally yeah. just like oh I don't want to touch me like I feel very uncomfortable and I think all my sexual experiences have been via FaceTime or sexting over lockdown yeah. and you have to remember there's also different ways I mean everyone gets horny mm. the only thing is is that we put pressure on ourselves to relieve our horniness mm. with somebody Mm. and that's not the case at all like it just means that we get better at satisfying ourselves rather than having to rely on somebody else the pressure of having to be close to someone so like you're saying oh when i come out you know i feel like i can't be with someone i feel anxious well what if you don't want to be Mm. like there's such a pressure around that it's different if you do want to be and then you're open to it and then you go, hang on a minute, I feel really anxious about this, don't touch me. There's mm. a difference between that and saying, I don't feel like I need someone to alleviate you know, my sexual drive. I can do it myself and I'm happy with that. Yeah, I think at this point I do need someone. <laughs> All right, so what are we heading on with? At this point, I'm like, bitch, fucking, I just want like a head pat. Like I was sexing someone the other day and I was like, 
Mm, just thinking yeah. about you patting my head. And he was like, you are so touch deprived. This is so funny. Like he was like, I've never heard you. I was like, oh my God, I'm getting wet thinking about you kissing my yeah. forehead. And he was like, what? This is yeah, he was like, he's not in lockdown. And, and he's, he's gone from zero to 100 in like five seconds. Yeah. And I'm like, can we have sex? Can you just like gently fuck me? And he's like, I guess I can. But like, I'm just confused about like why this is your focus. Like he's like, yeah. You're normally a bit cooked in the head. Like, you wouldn't have to ask for that. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I like, sex. And for someone who isn't in lockdown, he's like, Jesus fucking Christ, Abby. Like, what? Like, but I think it's also that I'm, I don't know, I I get very scared in general. Like, I think everyone thinks that I just have sex with all these people, like, all the time. Like, everyone's like, you must, like, I think I've had sex with, like, four people in the last year, like, four new people. Yeah, right. So I get very weird in general with someone sleeping with me. And, okay, I think my fear is that it's going to be bad sex and I'm going to be really awkward during the bad sex and it's going to make me have an ick. So is it bad sex or is it, are you worried about commitment? Well, that's the thing. I think I am worried about commitment. I think I'm, I think I'm anxious avoidant, which is really joyous yeah. for everyone involved, which just yeah. makes me so... <laughs> oh, can you explain what, what the types of attachment are? Because we're probably going to talk about them a little bit. Oh, God, now you're putting me on the spot to remember them all. But, yeah, like anxious avoidance. So if you're sitting there, you've got to think – I mean, it says it in itself. You're anxious around relationships and plus you avoid them at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. It's like I crave them and no one comes near me that wants to be with me. I'm like, Like, I'm like, I don't know why. Like, I'm like, all I want is to be with someone and to have a stable relationship and then it's offered to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, honestly, would rather die. I'm like, please get away from me. You aren't normal. For wanting to be yeah. with me, like I'm, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. So, so the anxious avoidance. So for you, and this is why I'm saying, Abby, it's just it might not be the physical touch. It might be the idea of what if I really like the physical touch, and then something mm, else happens from that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that interferes unconsciously. You're like, ah, no, that was so shit. That sex, I'm not going there again. And it's your ticket to run, right? <laughs> Yeah, because the good sex I have is always with people who are emotionally so avoidant, like like yeah. so like so just like couldn't give a shit that I exist. Like I, like, <laughs> like literally like, and I'm like, wow, this is so hot. Masturbating yeah. about you because you, I know that they will never, yeah. they would never ever commit to me, and yeah, not even like exactly a sad right. way, not not in like oh, I'm not good enough for them. Like I recognize that they. When I was younger, I probably would have thought like, oh, there's something wrong with me, but like. As an adult, I recognise that they don't have the capacity to be in a relationship either. So therefore, I'm like, well, neither can I. Let's just yeah. have really good sex. I get the little feelings of being in a relationship when I'm with them. When I'm not with them, I'm yeah. just like anxious and feel sick the whole time. And this is what happens with some of my clients or people that come through and see me. They, I get this with women or men having affairs with committed people. Mm-hmm. Because they get to have a relationship with somebody without the commitment yeah. So they know their safety net and their safety zone is that person's going home to their wife or their husband mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I only get the sex and then see you later. And you get like a little bit of affection and you get like yeah. the, the pillow talk afterwards. Absolutely. Because people say like, oh, like the, it's a thrill of the affair, but I think a lot of it has to do with that, right? Yeah. Like the yeah, safety lack- and non-commitment. Yep non-commitment avoiding commitment definitely yeah because yeah. people are also like say to me like you just choose the wrong people i'm like like yes but i'm also i'm not choosing assholes i'm choosing people who are emotionally unavailable like i th- I hate that trope as well of like you like guys that treat you like shit it's like no no no. i don't like them treating me like shit but them treating me like shit is a sign that they're emotionally unavailable 
Right. So that's different because they can be emotionally unavailable and be quite attentive and nice when you're with them. Yes, of it, and just, they are. They always yeah. are. No, they don't like sit there and give me shit. They're always so amazing in person. Yeah. And so you're you're consciously choosing a man like that. It may suit you right now. I'm not sure in the long term or the long run when you're looking for a relationship. Mm. And it's probably really just a band-aid approach to dating and sex right now for you. But you will get to a point where you feel quite empty and you're like, shit, i got to work out what the hell's going on and why I'm choosing men like that for me because it serves a purpose right now. Yeah, and that purpose is... You tell me. What, val- <laughs> like validation and just having like a little like... But to be fair, I am really busy. Like if I just think about having a relationship and how annoyed I would be all the time at someone like needing something from me, I just wish that I had the ability to like not feel sick when I'm not texting someone. That's what I, that's all I want. The ability to not feel sick when I'm not texting someone. Like I literally am like, I'm so anxiously attached to people that I'm like, if I'm sleeping with them, if I'm like talking to them, I'm like, my mood is often reliant on how they are acting towards me. So you're actually quite reliant on being with someone as well at the same time as avoiding them, right? Yes. Run away, but make them chase me. (laughs) (laughs) So you're one of those confused. They're like, what the fuck does Abby want from me? Yeah, yeah. And there's been a few, there's been a few victims in the past six months. And like, I I haven't been an asshole to them, but like, I'd be like, yeah, like I'm looking for this. And that'd be really nice to meet you really well. Then I'm like, pass. Like, and and if they give me what I want, I'm just like, oh, nah, this is boring. And what if they don't? Obsessed. Right. So what do I do? Help me. So you were so in that cyclical pattern of, Mm. you know, love the chase, bored if it comes too easy, Mm. recipe for a bit of toxic relationship. Um, Well, yeah, maybe we should talk about toxic relationships. So what are some signs of toxic relationships? Because the thing is being in a toxic relationship, again, it isn't like people are like, I love toxicity. It's a cycle you get trapped in. So how do you kind of break free of those symptoms of a toxic relationship and how do you get out without feeling sick all the time about them not texting you? Well, you can't get out without feeling sick. It's a given. Okay. And if you're going to come out thinking, I want to come out without feeling sick, you're going to stay in it regardless because you're trying to avoid that feeling of, I hate how I feel when I come out of it. Toxic relationships literally live in your gut. Um, yes, yeah. talk to love. <laughs> like my therapist. <laughs> right. Me? And yes, I can't avoid it. Okay, yeah. Right. So the first thing, you've got to be aware that you're in one and what's going on. So the first thing is any type of manipulation or guilt trip. So if you're in a relationship where you feel guilty for doing something or you feel like maybe you're even – you know, gaslighted, you've been made to think that you're the problem or you're overreacting about something, you know straight away that you're in some type of toxic relationship. You're not actually being understood, heard, listened to. Your feelings don't matter. Mm -hmm. Lots of guilt around doing things that you love. So, for example, you're working, loving the podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, just living your best life, having a say, doing whatever you want, and then someone comes along and makes you feel guilty for so the time that you're putting into your career, your business, your you know your yeah. own life. That's already a red flag. Yeah, lots of mistrust. So you'll find in toxic relationships, there's a lot of mistrust for each other. Where were you? Um, mm-hmm. How come you didn't answer? You disappeared. Who's that person? Who are you texting? 
who's in the DM. So there's that lot of that conversation around mistrust for each other. And is there a way to work through that or is that something that you need to do alone? Like can you, because sometimes, I mean, sometimes in theory when you're with someone, <laughs> it's not like they're like treating you like shit when you're with them, but they're just like the, the actual interactions are toxic. Is yeah. that something that's fixable or is it like a thing you have on, to go separately or like what? Well, on their behalf. So you can't fix it for them, right? Mm. So a lot of the time, if you're in a toxic relationship, especially if you're with a narcissist, they will never admit to having anything wrong with them, mm. right? Yeah. So you're the problem, not them. Mm-hmm. So if there's any type of narcissistic trait in a partner, they're not going to turn around and say, you know what, Abby, I think there's something wrong with me. I'm going to go fix it or I'm going to go get some help. Mm-hmm. You're going to identify it and they're going to go, what What the hell? Yeah. You're the problem. Yeah. Right. But you can work through toxic relationships, but it does take some work and it takes both of you. It can't be just the one of you. Yeah. But is it probably, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Abby, you just want me to say it's like really easy and you can make it work. I'm not going to tell you that, lovely. (laughs) You're like, come on, Dr. Love, give me permission to stay in this toxic relationship. Fuck me, me. But it can be, it can be fixed, right? And you're like, no. And I'm like, but like in in my therapy, I'm like, I'm over my therapist telling me the same thing for the past two years. I'm like, but it's like fine, right? She's like, no, this is another issue. This is another person who was an issue. So why are people attracted to narcissists? Like what is attractive about them? Because like, you know, and how does it, how does it happen? How do you get stuck in that cycle? Oh, my God. They have this thing. It's like a magic spell. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't even know they're a narcissist when you meet them. Mm-hmm. They are suave. They speak really well. They get a lot of attention. They look great. They present themselves. They've got the gift of the gab. Mm-hmm. Like you just get caught up in a lot of their conversation. They pay a lot of attention to you in the beginning. You know, they praise you. And then all of a sudden... You know, you go through that and then something changes. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, hang on, what happened to him? And so what happens, you're in these relationship with these men or these women and then you're holding on to the initial stages of the relationship thinking, I want more of that. And so you're staying there hoping that they go back to how they were. Mm-hmm. But and that isn't just, really how they are? No. No, how they really are is how they are now. You know, lack of empathy, um, unavailable, not giving you the attention you need like you they were in the beginning, possibly with other people behind your back, you know, cheating. That's how they really are. It's like your prey and they've got you now. They'll put you there and then they'll be on to their next victim. Okay. And what's their motivation for getting you as the prey? Is that just a validation for them because they're deeply insecure and tragic? Absolutely, yeah. So their attachment style, so whether it's how they've grown up and how attachment for them, what that means. So they need to, you know, conquer. Mm-hmm. They need to achieve and conquer for them to feel like, oh, okay, I've got that attachment now. Okay, mm-hmm. what's the next one? I've got that attachment now. Right, and they don't actually care about who the person is. I think no. it's hard when you're dating someone who's a narcissist to not think that you can change them or to not think that you are just one of many. Do you have any advice on how to like change that thinking when it comes to dating someone? Whether they're Which a narcissist thing? or if they're just toxic. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people kind of are like, you know, either I don't get why I couldn't change our interaction or why am I one of the people that they've preyed upon? Yeah, well, I get a lot of women, and this does not discriminate. You can be a woman of that's very 
you know, educated and quite successful to just a person that hasn't worked a day in their life or, Mm. you know, it doesn't discriminate. When a man or a woman comes along that is like this, what you can do as the person is don't take on their stuff. So it's not your responsibility to change them. And Mm -hmm. we often stay in these relationships longer than we want because we're holding on to how they once were. But also we're we're holding on to if I'm good enough, they'll change. Or if I do this, they'll Mm -hmm. change. If I change my behaviour, then they'll change their behaviour, thinking Mm -hmm. we're going to be able to manipulate the relationship to suit us. Mm Yeah, And that's not the case at all because there's nothing that we can do that can actually change them. Yeah, And unfortunately, you know, I speak to a lot of women in these cases and the one thing they can't come to terms with is he didn't actually really love me. Mm. That was all a lie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right? You know, that's where, and that's that's where they're gutted. They're like, hang on a minute. That last three years or that last six months was, I was just a piece of work for him. And then Mm. now he's on to the next one. Like that meant so much to me. I invested so much time and he could just walk like that or be with someone else and not even look back. Yeah, because that's the thing as well. I think a lot of people who are in those toxic relationships or with narcissists, they then move on super quickly and you take it really, really personally. Yeah, and to be honest with you, they they didn't care about you. And Mm. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. You served a purpose right then and there for that person. You fed them. Mm. Their ego was filled up and then they're ready for the next one. So they literally, they chew you up and spit you out. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm. So how do you, how do you, when you do have to try and break free from that narcissistic person, how do you do that? Like what are the main tangible steps? Because it's really easy for people to be like, just work on yourself. And it's like, what the yeah. fuck does that mean? No, <laughs> like, you know like, what? Yeah, it's... that's a great thing to say. But ha- what does that mean? Like, I'm in therapy, you know, once a week, sometimes twice a week. And it's like, I am working on myself. I'm working very hard. I have like, a great career. But it's like, that doesn't change the fact that, like, I have my own life. I can not be sitting yeah. at home feeling sorry for myself. But there have been times that people who I think have narcissistic traits yeah. have made me feel like absolute shit. So what are tangible things you can do? Obviously, it's true what you say is like work on yourself. How do you work on yourself when you feel like at the end of that relationship there's nothing left? Mm, yeah, right? exactly, yeah. Like you're going, yeah, work on yourself. I can't even breathe. Yeah. Like I don't even want to get up. Yeah, I don't like, want to socialise. I'm like irritable. I'm in the worst. I, I like, yeah. just, you just like, feel like you're the, you're the wind's been knocked out of you. Yeah, fuck, I don't even want to think. Yeah. Like, let alone work on myself, right? <laughs> and like what is that, like getting a new hobby? Like, oh, go rock climbing. It's like yeah. how the fuck is rock climbing going to help me? You know, or, you know, sit and meditate. Yeah. I can't even, like, keep my mind still for a minute. I have a panic attack. Meditate, yeah. Right? Fucking hell, you'll think too much. Yeah. 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 So that's what sort of happens. So really at the end of the day, it's you got to sit in the shit feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, the hardest thing to do is when you're sitting in that empty feeling is trying to act like it doesn't exist. Mm. Like, forget it put it under the carpet, you know, just get over it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. No. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to feel like shit for a while. Yeah. Right? Time is really valuable because as you sit in that shit feeling, you need to really start reflecting and start recognizing. When you start to look back and reflect on the relationship, you will start to notice the red flags that happened quite early. Mm-hmm. And you'll go, oh, my God that's why he spent the weekend away or that's why he kept, you know, not answering my texts after 9pm because he was married and didn't tell me or, you know, 
all these things will start to make sense after the fact. Yeah. So really what you need to do is spend some time feeling a bit shitty but also reflective is because when you can start to put the dots together and say, hang on a minute, I remember that, I remember that, now it makes sense, it Mm -hmm. does hit home a little bit harder but when you start to uncover the truth and you start to realise it's not you, it's Mm -hmm. not me, it's actually all of them. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't matter who you were. They would still treat you the same way. Yeah. I saw this comment that was like on TikTok, oh, God, I, I'm not going to get it right, but it was basically saying that like just because they've changed partners doesn't mean they've changed behaviour. Like Absolutely. I, I've, I had, I've had a friend recently and they were being cheated on for a couple of months by their partner emotionally. We don't know about physically and they've kind of like moved on. And it was like, you know, obviously they were very upset, obviously. And I yeah. was just like, babe, like that doesn't mean they've changed as a person. In fact, they're moving on quickly shows that they still aren't like a healed person. Like they're still, this is not a you behavior. This wasn't because of a reflection of you. It was because of because of them because you're sitting here work, working on yourself but you're sitting here going to therapy and like yeah. Yeah. but you know what yeah. I mean like you're sitting here like dealing with the pain and they're out there acting like nothing happened yeah yeah and they don't feel the pain the same way because they don't have the same capacity to have a connection or a commitment or you know emotionality is not the same mm. you know they don't feel the same so you what we tend to do is go but I feel so broken and hurt why don't they mm. yeah because, you know, important. you speak French and they speak Japanese and it's a totally different language. You can't expect them overnight to speak the same dialect or the same, you know, language. It doesn't happen. Yeah, right. So we just got to sit in the pain and then... You do. You have to really... You've got to sit through it. There's, and as much as you avoid it... Abby, you know, you can go to therapy all you want. It doesn't mm. take away the pain. No, exactly. Right? Like, I, yeah, it becomes to a point where you're like, I don't know how to deal with this what therapy does do is it gives you someone to voice the pain too so that you start to acknowledge that oh I sound silly now or I'm reflective oh I get it it's not me and just because you take some time to stop blaming yourself because you gotta remember you've been in a relationship that someone has blamed you for everything that's gone wrong Mm, yeah so you're used to having that thought pattern right so you do the same thing after the relationship well he's not here to blame me but Mm -hmm. it was you know, it was my fault. So you've got this unconscious patterning of it's my fault, it's my fault. Maybe if I did something wrong, maybe if I did something different, mm-hmm. maybe it was the way that I texted too much. Maybe it was I shouldn't have called him after nine. I knew it made him upset. And we start to make these ex- these excuses for their behaviour. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what therapy does. It catches the bullshit talk. Yeah, because you do you do blame yourself. You try and, you try and replay the entire, like in all the interactions and think about all the times that you've fucked up. Yeah, but often it isn't. It isn't your fault unless you're doing something really wild, like <laughs> really out yeah. of control. But like yeah. often, it's like someone who did care about you would either communicate to you that those. This is the thing as well. I find like when I've dated people who I think are toxic, it's like they don't communicate any issues and then leave you at the end of the relationship to figure out what you did wrong. Yeah, and then you yeah. then you can like fill in the blanks yourself, and they never give you closure or reasoning. There's never communication throughout the relationship. It's just a nothingness. It just suddenly like see ya. Closure is a really important word because it's something at the end of a relationship like that, a lot of the people that I speak to, they go, I just want to have my say. I want to know why. Mm. Like, I want to get revenge. How could he or she do that? <laughs> like just, and I'm, I'm like, what is revenge going to do? Yeah. Like, Who's the help? Getting, what, and even getting closure because 
the closure sits with you as the person, not the other. You're, you're again putting that control in the other person's hand. You're mm-hmm. saying it's up to them when I get closure. And let's be honest, closure chats often end in sex. <laughs> <laughs> you go, you're like, I'm just going to their house and we're just going to have a very casual t- chat just yeah. one more time, 14 hours of fucking. Yeah. Just like, yeah. and because you want that validation from them and you want to have yeah. sex with them to know that like yeah. things are okay. You know what I mean? And you try to brainwash yourself. Even if I have sex, it's still over. I'm not going back. And you know it's not. That's your connection to that person. That's keeping mm-hmm. your foot in the in the door with them in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah tragic, tragic <laughs> vibes. So something else I want to talk to you about was how to tell if you're in love or just in lust with someone or like the idea of someone. What are some what are some signs of that? Fourteen hours of fucking is pretty much lust. <laughs> but what can you also? But, but what, okay, fair. No, no, no. I mean, but, but, is, okay, but actually, is that a sign of because you know the people that I've had that with, they've all been. <laughs> in hindsight, no one healthy. Right. That I've, like I've had that with like three people where we just yeah. been, like fucking for like yeah. for, like twenty five, like, not getting like go to their house, just get yeah. there, be naked, and not get dressed until like I leave. Totally. That's yeah. is that a sign of something toxic, or can that be healthy? Um, look, having sex is very healthy, yes. uh, and you can go for fourteen hours, go for it, mm. right? It's not the sex that's unhealthy. It's what happens after that that becomes unhealthy. Okay. Right? Yeah. If that's all your relationship is. And you want the, your relationship only to be that, then it's healthy. Yeah. But if you are wanting more than that, and you are just, then it becomes unhealthy, right? Because yeah. then you're chasing more than what the relationship can give you. Relationships just sex for fourteen hours, nothing else. Goals. I'm, wow. Right. I really miss. <laughs> Beautiful. But you know the difference between lust. You got to think. Lust can happen overnight. That's, you know, you see someone at the bar and you're like, oh, my God, I just want him to take my clothes off. Strip me now, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That type of feeling. Yeah. Compared to, you know, love takes actual time. And and this is where we get stuck. Some of us love that initial, you know, put me up against the wall, I want it tonight feeling Mm -hmm. compared to, having conversations, getting to know somebody and having love grow. Some people don't have the patience for that. Yeah, I'm not sure that I do. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> CBF. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. Exactly, right? Can't be bothered. Let me just get. So this is where you've really got to work out, does lust work for you or do you actually want love? Do you Like some people go to therapy saying, you know, I want a relationship, but do you actually want a relationship or you just think you do? Because mm. you're Probably wasting don't. your time. Right, I probably don't. To be, at least, yeah. at least, is shaking her. My producer, she's like, mm. nah. I yeah. mean, yeah, I probably don't at this late stage. But I also just don't want to be like, I just don't want to have this insecure attachment to people. Like, it really pisses me off because I'm like, everything is so great in my life. Why am I so psycho about this? Do you think you're insecure? I think I have an insecure attachment. Right. I think I so like the people that don't people. want. So what happens to people that don't show you the attention? You're like, you're going to give me attention. And when you do, then I'll discard you. You won't discard me. Um. Yeah. All the sex is bad. And I'm like, I CBF with this. So I'm going to end it right. because I'm not right. going to, I'm not going to be with someone where the sex isn't like amazing. But that's a choice. That doesn't mean anything. That just doesn't mean you're anxious avoiding. That means you like good sex. Yeah. But I'm more talking about people who like, I'll fuck them and we'll have great sex. And then I'm like, oh, like. I really want your attention and your affection. It's like it's like I think about it all the time and it's hard for me to like – it takes me like a bit of calming down to like not be like, why aren't you messaging me? 
Right. So you become addicted to the feeling. Yes. So how do I fix that? <laughs> Stand up, say, hi, my name's Abby Chatfield and mm. I've got a... <laughs> I have an addiction to validation yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, hard, to, hard to get validation, it turns out, because if it's easy, I'm like... And the thing is I have, I have like, I do have like secure, like kind of like half relationships. It's very weird, but like I don't like ever want to fully commit to them. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, how, how do I stop that addiction? Like that addiction is like... You know what, Abby, it sounds like you're putting all your eggs in one basket. It's so you're forgetting that you can get validation from more places than just great sex. Hmm. Me? Right. You yeah. know that that does exist, right? Abby's like, uh, nah. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I want the great sex. I also think lockdowns kind of fucked me up, though, because I haven't been having sex at all. So therefore, I'm like, all I want is great sex. And if anyone comes near me and gives me subpar sex, I actually am going to walk out of the room. Like, I'm like, if I'm even at my house, I'll be like, ask you on the couch. Like, you've actually insulted me. <laughs> You mean I waited for three months for this? Yeah, that's why I'm like, I want to fuck people people that I've had sex with before because I'm like, I know what I'm getting. I know that it's going to be good. I know. It's just just a bit stressful for me. Um, You probably got to find someone that has not been in lockdown, someone from another state that has been having sex and isn't the same in the same position as you that's going to come really quickly and just not True. do really well. True. I think anyone in Bondi is probably out, to yeah, be honest. Out, out of the, anyone in Sydney and Melbourne, you're going to have to find someone in Adelaide or, or oh, maybe Perth. We're going to have to make maybe Perth, Brisbane. Brisbane, something Brisbane. in lockdown. Darwin. We can go Darwin. to Darwin. Darwin's great. Yeah. I love Darwin. That's so, yeah. At least I mean, you get a beautiful tanned body. Oh, and Darwin's so fun. Go see some Crocs, get a fuck. Yep. It's yep. great. Yep. I love it. Um, <laughs> so you also wrote a blog about how our childhood experiences can impact our dating life. Can yeah. you talk about that a little bit? Well, it comes back to the way, and this is probably a question for you. I don't know if you do this at the moment with your therapist, but looking at your attachment to mm. the family you've come from, so mm. mum and dad, your attachment to them personally, but also their attachment to one another yeah, and how they did that relationship. And there's a few things here. Like it's the way that the young girl attaches to her father and the father, whether we like it or not, you know, the father being the protector and someone that's kept her safe mm-hmm. or whether he's actually jeopardized that relationship and done everything but that, you know, mm-hmm. being absent, being with other women, being aggressive, abusive to mum, mm-hmm. being abusive to the young girl, which mm-hmm. is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, has what is how's mum been? Has that been a nourishing relationship between you and her? Has she abandoned you? Has she gone and run off with another man? Mm-hmm. Um, has she had quite a toxic relationship with mum and dad? Was there drugs and alcohol involved? And mm-hmm. when that's the case, you know, drugs and alcohol take precedence over being par- a parent because, mm-hmm. you, you know, the addiction's fed first before anything else in the family. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the attachment that you have as a young kid plays out as an adult. And mm-hmm. this is probably if we were going to do like almost like a therapy or a coaching session with you, Abby, I would definitely be diving into tell me about your mum and dad and tell me about your relationship with them because mm-hmm. your avoidance around relationship, what it shows me is that you so want to be loved, but the love that you've come from, you couldn't trust. Mm. Yeah. And so as much as you crave it, you're anxious when you get it because there must be an underlying fear that they're going to hurt you, abandon you, and you're going to lose it. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely all we talk about in therapy. It's so annoying. Right. My therapist it took her like a year, and she was like, "Now nah, can we talk about?" It? And I was like, "Oh, I just want to bitch about. I just want to bitch about like people fucking me over. I don't want to like yeah. <laughs> actually yeah. have to fucking talk about my family. That's so it's so hard to talk about. It um, is hard, but it's the truth, and it's you know." 
I think we get better at it when we don't make it our problem. It's just a story, Abby. Mm. You know, it's not really doesn't define who we are. It's just a story. It's this is how I grew up and this was my story, but it doesn't mean that you're a bad person because your parents chose this. Yeah, because I've been in therapy for so long. I yeah. and I also like have talks like this and like you know read all the books. And it's hard to not intellectualize your emotions and actually feel them. Like I know why yeah. I do and feel almost everything. Like I know. Like I could keep write yeah. a whole fucking essay about it. Yeah. But once you know that, it's kind of like, what do you do with that knowledge? Like, okay, I know why I'm doing this. Okay, I still feel fucking vomit. Yeah. Like I still physically yeah. anxious. Or I'm still not able to maintain a relationship or I'm still not able to commit to anyone. Yeah. So when you feel sick, mm. usually a lot of the people that describe what you're describing saying, you know, I feel sick, I want to vomit, is they're, first of all, they feel they're in the wrong place at the right time, wrong time in their gut. Mm. So their gut's their indicator going, oh, this is not good for me, right? It's also a fear response. So you've developed a fear response in your gut from a very early age. Mm-hmm. And so what you need to do is, you know, your that fear response for you kept you quite safe as a seven-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was your fear, you know, get out of there or go to your room, don't say anything. You've got that fear, that fear feeling in your gut. Mm-hmm. As we get older, we keep that gut feeling. And so when you feel that in a relationship, your first thing to do is exit. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fear feeling. I don't like that in my gut. So I'm mm. out of here. Mm. Right? Even if it's good for you, you still get that gut feeling because you're avoiding commitment, right? So commitment yeah. for you is that gut feeling, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So I would be saying to you, and it's almost like a bit of an exposure therapy that you you do the relationship even though you feel sick, right? Oh, God. So don't avoid the sick feeling, <laughs> right? Because the sick feeling is going to keep you small. It's not going to keep you grow. It's gonna, not going to yeah. allow you to grow, right? It comes from acceptance commitment therapy. So I sort of break it down and go, if you accept that you feel sick, but you're committed to having a relationship or you're committed to being committed. Mm. So you're going to do it anyway. You're going to feel sick and do it anyway. Mm. And it's when you practice working through the sick feeling over and over again, the sick feeling doesn't determine what you, what choice you make next. You do. Yeah. Okay. And what about if the sick feeling is coming from a lack of attention? (laughs) Same thing. What you just sit there and go like, Oh, I feel sick. Yeah, because you're avoiding that feeling. So you're like, I feel sick. I'm not getting attention. I'm going to chase till I get it so I avoid the sick feeling. Yeah, right. I'm going to try and fix the external thing, not just like sit with it. Right. Right. So you're doing both ends of the spectrum. So whether you're – Yeah, I just feel sick at all times. Yeah, right. So (laughs) Abby's just sick all the time. No matter what's (laughs) happening, I'm like, ah, this is so awful. Yeah, so whether you're chasing because your lack of attention Mm. or you're withdrawing because of too much attention, it's still the sick feeling that's determining your next step mm-hmm. not right. abby so you've just got to sit with it and accept it and like you what make that, yourself you know i safe. feel sick that that person's not chasing me mm. but this it's okay to feel this way and i'm not going to chase them to avoid it right i'm just going to let it happen yeah who cares it's it's temporary but you don't know it's temporary because you always keep trying to like avoid the feeling yeah exactly but if you let it if you let yourself sit with it then it's just gonna, it's going to dissipate eventually. you know it passes right so and you get better at it so you went mm. oh that wasn't too bad and the next time you do it again and you do it again and then eventually the sick feeling doesn't drive your behavior 
your conscious decision drives the behaviour. Right, okay. So then how do we, people that don't have secure attachment styles, how do we then find people that are going to be healthy to be with? Like if we're if we're healing and if, let's say we're not as cooked as me and like we're getting towards healing, I think, well, what my therapist has been saying is like you still need someone who is securely attached. It's all well and good knowing that in theory, oh, like someone who treats me well will do X, Y, Z. You have to actually experience that because otherwise you have no real life experience in someone being a securely attached person. How do you then spot people who are securely attached? Because the narcissists seem like they're <laughs> the narcissists trick you and then yep. hurt you even more. Yeah, because they're gonna for someone like yourself, the narcissist is like you're gold for them, right? I know. Because they will bombard <laughs> you and you're like, oh, this attention, and then they withdraw and you chase. Yeah. Right? This is playing totally into your sick gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And this is what I'm saying. So love takes time, but any type of healthy relationship takes time. Someone that has a secure attachment won't buy into your bullshit. Mm-hmm. They what do you mean by that? It. They'll say, Abby, I want to give you attention. I can't text you today but I'll come back to you at night, right? They will help you with it. Yeah, I was with my bubble buddy the other day. We've been like half together, half not for like six months, but now we decided we're just friends and the other day we're in his house. I was like, you're so good to me. And he was like, do you want our attention right now? And I was like, yeah. and he was like, you give me a compliment so that I give you a compliment back, right? And I was like, I, I think so, yeah. And he's like, all right, I'm just doing a bit of work and yep. I can give you some validation in a little bit. Is that okay? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So okay. um, right, the, the people with the healthy attachments will come along and show you that just because I didn't text to you literally five minutes after you texted, hey, I'm still here, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Right. What you need is to have trust in people. So obviously I know that just hearing, I don't know all your story, but some of the words that you've said is you have a lack of trust for people. Yeah. Yeah. Because because people are like past relationships a couple of years ago now when they've not replied to me within an hour they go missing for days yeah or they're cheating on me like it's like that's the I'm actually not like confrontation when it comes to that stuff because I know that it's irrational to think that but my body reacts in the way so I don't actually bring it up yeah I just start panicking internally because I'm like oh I also have an issue with like emotional like permanence like I think that when someone isn't with me that they hate me and hope that I'm dead yeah, right. <laughs> like if they even texted me, I'm like, I literally this morning, I was like, he doesn't care that I exist. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if like, I regularly think people that I've slept with or that I've like even dated, I'm like, if they saw me on the street, they wouldn't recognize me. They have always been like that though, Abby, that's insane. <laughs> like I genuinely have people that I'm like, I've slept with, like they've been inside me. Like I've been to their houses, like they've like been to my, like they were like friends at the very least. And I'm like people in Brisbane that I'm like, I don't think that person, if they saw me on the street, they would not recognize who I am. So I, I think this is the opposite. I don't think you'd recognize who they are. What do you mean by that? Because <laughs> <laughs> Abby, there'd be at some point, in your relationship with these people, they were there to satisfy your sick gut feeling. And so it's actually you didn't you didn't really feel that about them, but you want them to feel about you. And so it's you're just you're just doing that whole my purple lenses, the whole this so, is actually how I feel, not them. Yeah, like I was using them for validation. And I was using them. Yeah, it didn't actually matter who it was. Yeah, yeah. maybe that is what it is. There's one person in particular from that I slept with. I think I said Wow, me not <laughs> Wow, proving I can't remember if I ever slept with him. But there's someone in Brisbane who is like, 
<laughs> like, like in high school, I had a huge crush on him, and I always bring him up to everyone in <laughs> Sydney. People are like, who the fuck is that? And like, this guy from grade eleven. That like, I really. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, if he saw me on the street, he wouldn't recognize me. My friend's like, I feel like he would. He'd been on the side of buses. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure, like, he'd know yeah. who you are. Yeah. But I have this thing. I'm like, on The Bachelor, I would always say Matt looks at me with hate in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, yeah. even now, I'm like, there's, I'm like, oh, like, that person that I'm, like, seeking down, like, they wouldn't care if I, if I died. They wouldn't care. I wonder if, because your lack of attachment, I wonder if, you wouldn't care if they died because... Oh, I would. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. It's Do you like, get what I'm saying? So I it's think... that your lack of attachment to them, it's not their lack of attachment to you. Wow, that's actually, yeah, that's calmed my nervous system a bit, which is sad. But it's, yeah, it's, so, it's, it's I'm, like, I'm like, well, if I can care this little about you... <laughs> then you definitely hate me. Yeah, <laughs> then, then you hate me. But I literally think, like, I, like I've said to Elise, I'm like, this person doesn't remember that I exist. It's like, yes, they yeah. would. I'm like, no, they forgot that I exist. I've you make a lot of noise, Abby. I don't know if you noticed that. But you're pretty loud. <laughs> <laughs> you're not really that shy or hiding. No, so. I'm not. I'm yeah, I'm not very meek, am I? All right. So now we've gone had my therapy session. We have a nightmare fuel here. That you're actually the perfect person to react to these things. Usually, we just give, we just laugh at it. But I feel like you'll give actual like insight which would be lovely because usually it's just me crying of laughter and spitting out water <laughs> like we had one where someone shut the bed and another one where did she shit the bed at least yeah she shut the bed we've had both we've had both she yeah, right. shut we've had a lot of poo related stories we've had ones people have like stood people up at like six oh, times was it a sexual fantasy the pooing in the bed or was it by accident accident oh right yeah, yeah. and then just just very funny So flashback to 2014 and a new guy had just started at work and I thought he was really hot, classic my type. And it was near the end of the year, so Chrissy party comes around shortly. Very PG, but we kissed, whoop, um, which was score enough for me at the time. But then a few days later, my mum made a comment to me saying, hey, so-and-so has started working with you which was the man's, and I was like, oh, yeah, he has. How do you know him? <laughs> That's random. Turns out we share great-great-grandparents, which means we are third cousins. Shocked. But the plot has recently thickened. I've not seen him since quitting said job in 2015, but he has just recently moved into the same building as me. And we can all assume what I'm considering doing as the convenience is next level. So herein lies the question, what is socially acceptable? When does it stop being too close? Like we all know you can marry your first cousin, but that's freaking strange. So how far removed does it have to be to stop being weird? I've got friends who have asked about this situation and they're split so some are saying this person's far enough removed and it's just rare in the first place that we know a relation that far up the family tree. But others are saying, yep, it's definitely strange and that's for obvious reasons. So I'd love to know your thoughts. I cannot decide. 
Okay, who better than Dr. Love? Dr. Love, what are your thoughts, feelings and emotions on this one? Well, you know what? It's it's strange the way it happened, but I don't think there's a problem if you're going to go sleep with him. I mean, he's third cousins. I mean, do any of us know third cousins? Well, that's the thing. I feel like, and that's, I guess her friends were saying, it is rare that you would even know. And I feel like if you grew up, if you grew up in like a small town somewhere, I mean, like you're going to be related in in some I don't know. Is it, am I sounding like a royal? Like, am I sounding like I'm like a, I'm a Tudor? Yeah, we're like, no, it's actually hot. Um, we're no. from Tasmania. Yeah. <laughs> we're all like, that. We're, like, we're like, yeah, like, I mean, I guess like, I think the thing is, see what I'm struggling with is, yeah, we, we wouldn't know, but. But you do know. I mean, look, it is legal. She's right. You can marry your second cousin. Second. You can marry your first cousin, I think. Someone was telling me, sorry, producer Elise, because I'm getting married next year and the celebrant was like, (laughs) you can legally. Yeah, no, my husband is not kidding. Um, (laughs) No, but she was saying you can legally marry your first cousin. Yeah, I I thought you couldn't. I could be wrong. I thought it was second. I really hope that I'm wrong for the benefit of all of us. Because there's some genetic issues, first cousins, right, if you're having kids. Yeah, I mean, they should. Yeah, I think there are yeah. some genetic issues. What if they make you sign a document saying I'm not having kids? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you can. I don't know how you stop eugenics. That. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, Abby, I think if she didn't grow up with him, she doesn't even know him. It's not like yeah. family's caught up. Yeah. He's not a stranger. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. I think it's just. But I think if they ended up dating, would the mum not be like, uh, like I don't, I think it's the knowledge. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it, but I'm wondering if the knowledge. I guess, I guess there isn't anything wrong with it, is it? No, I don't reckon. Okay, I don't know why I was so icky about it. Because the word cousin, but it's like we're it's all cousins friend. in one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> we're all related. We we all we all bleed the same, and we're all we're all cousins, whether or not. Yeah. I mean, if she wants to have sex with them, I'd love people to. I know, DM me about this because I really want to know people's thoughts. I mean, I yeah. I think my initial reaction is, yes, it's fine. Then I get ick. Then I go, oh, no, God, no, it's fine. Then I go, ick. Then I, you know what I mean? I'm not I, like... I think it's more now that she knows he's yeah. the cousin that makes it ick. But if she didn't know, she could be having sex with him for the next 12 months and then find out later. Then what? You can't erase the, the sex. True. And like also third, third cousins, is that... Okay, that's your... What is a third cousin? <laughs> Is your great great grandparent is the same. So your grandparents parents parent. That's a ways back. Hang on a minute. It's like in the eighteen hundreds. Your great great grandparents. So it's not your grandparent. It's not your grandparents' parent. It's your grandparents' parents' parent. Oh wow. So in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, so I can't even my so like, brain can't do the maths on. I can't even that. imagine living Yeah, I mean yeah, okay. I'm okay with it. If it was pre-Federation, I'm okay. Having <laughs> <laughs> boundaries around dating cousins is... <laughs> Edmund Barton was not the Prime Minister. Yes. I'm not interested. <laughs> I mean, that feels far enough. Yeah, look, if it's your great-great-great-great-great-grandparents were... You had the same great-great-grandparents... Yep, it'll fly. Yep. And you know, right. back then, Abby, I know my great 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 grandfather had so many affairs because of the war. Like, who do you know who this child came from, right? Exactly. So they've got kids everywhere. They do have kids everywhere. That's true. You know what? We're okay with it. Dr. Love's okay with it. You know, yeah. get, get that dick. And it's also very <laughs> convenient being in the same building as you. It's 
Very good. And if you think he's hot, maybe you're... Although, babe, not that you think he's hot, he might look like you. What's going oh, on there? Oh, no, don't that. say that. I mean, <laughs> That's even worse. Investigate that. Investigate yep. it immediately. Well, thank Absolutely. you so much, Dr. Love. Where can everyone find you for more? Instagram, dr.luve, Dr. Love, or the website, www.drlove.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. It's such a good chat. Thanks, guys. Thank See you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.